Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by The Afterlight Institute. The Afterlight Institute is a community of teachers and students seeking to expand their spiritual gifts and their inner wisdom on the road to illuminating their forgotten selves. Offering online courses, in-person retreats, live events, online expositions, and more, the Afterlight Institute is a safe and inclusive space for all. To learn more, head to theafterlightinstitute.com. Lauren Grace here, and welcome to The Afterlight. My guest today is Josh Lewis, someone with a troubled past who struggled to understand the world around him and his purpose within it. Following a simple spiritual path, he would come to understand his purpose in a very profound way. In 2012, his intuitive nature drew him to seek the truth regarding paranormal events and the existence of an afterlife. What he got was way more than he bargained for. As his intuitive abilities developed, he discovered he was able to communicate with souls on the other side. With his new group, Hope, Helpers of Paranormal Entities, and his intuitive ability, he dedicated his time to helping stuck spirits cross over, as well as grieving people look for closure. Josh has spent years training at the International School of Clairvoyance under the tutelage of Deborah Katz. Using a wide array of technological devices combined with intuitive means, Josh has been able to successfully reconnect many people with their deceased loved ones. In addition to his work and research in the afterlife, Josh is a devoted father and owner of a successful hookah bar cafe and a filmmaker. And he's joining me today to talk about, well, all things paranormal. We're going to talk about his spiritual journey and we're going to find out his connection to Jesus, the big J. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Glad to be here. So a lot of people on the spiritual path seem to start with, uh, well, we could say something significant. Very often we use the term dark night of the soul. Sounds to me after reading your book that you maybe have had a couple of dark nights of the soul that have led you onto the spiritual path and into the light. Can you tell me and the listener at home a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I um, I was raised in a very good family. I was raised Catholic. Um, I'm full-blooded Italian from up north Connecticut, and most of my family's from the tri-state area. And, and so I had a very good childhood, but it was around, you know, 12, 13 that I started to veer. Um, I always felt like I had a connection to, to Jesus, even at a young age. But, um, you know, I was a very sensitive guy. I, I tried to fit in like anyone would. Um, I was bullied a lot and, you know, it's not a sob story. It's just what happened, you know, and I don't claim victim because of it, but it, it, it's, it's part of what happened. And um, I did get into drugs. I got into alcohol. Um, I started getting in trouble, getting arrested um, and just acting out, came down to Florida. Uh, my family brought me down here, you know, brought us all down here, uh, my, uh, my father. And it was just a um, me trying to get acclimated to life down here trying to fit in and I got in even worse trouble. Um, I ended up shooting a drug dealer in a deal gone bad in uh, 2004. And um, shortly after that, being out on bail, I, I, I tried to rob another drug dealer. This was my, at the, the worst of my addiction, 
And that got me a two and a half year prison sentence where I ended up going away. Um, it was a very difficult time, but you know, I came out, I got released uh, about two years later with nothing, uh, no place to go, no place, you know, nothing, no job, no money, nothing. And, um, but I had a sense of spirituality. I really, um, I really did. Um, I worked hard inside on, on the inside to, to really uh, work on the inside. I worked you know, from prison on me and I found um, a lot of truth. So when I got out, I, I really started um, working at my spirituality using the 12 steps, which I really feel are uh, the secret to life, whether you're an alcoholic or not, it doesn't matter, addict or not. Uh, the 12 steps could help everybody. And um, it, it wasn't until about 2013 that I, uh, my partner and I, Nikki and I found we had an ability uh, intuitive ability that we started to develop. And, you know, here we are, here I am now with a channel of over a hundred thousand, um, almost 300,000 on TikTok, a book, an app, um, live events that we do. And, um, you know, it's just really remarkable every day I'm doing sessions, um, to help people. So people can book sessions, group sessions, private sessions, and I'm, I'm doing these sessions to reach people's loved ones in addition to reaching out to also well-known people. Um, people really do want to know about, um, you know, these well-known celebrities on the other side, and there's no guarantee that I can reach them, but I definitely um, have found that when I reach out, I intuitively connect on a psychic level that the results through the equipment, the recorders, the boxes that I use, um, they match up and they are really profound and, and, and quite amazing. So, you know, it's just, there's a lot of amazing stuff that's going on and just showing proof of the afterlife. That's really what's happening. Beautiful. You know, listening to your story and, and reading your book, I've got to say that the word that came to me was the word resilience. And I think that sometimes as human beings, we don't always give ourselves enough credit. And when we hear people's stories like yourself of somebody who you know, it sounds to me like you've almost had a completely other lifetime than the one that you're, that you're living now. You know, it makes me feel that it's just an incredible opportunity that we have here to go to school here to kind of find that, that resilience and that power within ourselves. Now, I was under the impression when I was reading your story that a large part of the trauma and the, um, the challenges that you went through kind of came from the fact that you really didn't want to necessarily tap in or, or weren't able to at the time to your sensitive side to your maybe your spiritual side even from a young age and that in fact you kind of went the polar opposite to to block that compensate yeah that's right do you think that that's a really you know sort of typical reaction do you find that you've met people that have done similar things or is it just circumstantial? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. What I will say is this, um, you know, I felt that my sensitivity being a sensitive person, not necessarily sensitive in the fact that I was picking up things at an early age. Cause I don't feel like I was doing that. I feel like I was, I was tuning in to Christ at times. And I was feeling, I was having some very spiritual moments, even at a young kid or at, at a young age, but 
it was the sensitivity on the schoolyard in class amongst my peers that I really felt like was um, a weakness. It was a weakness. Yeah. I didn't see it in many others. And unfortunately, you know, I didn't feel safe to be that sensitive guy, that sensitive kid. So at some point I said, I can continue to be this loving, caring, sensitive guy, or I'm going to, I'm going to get my butt whooped here in life. And so I needed to really tap into, I guess, what I thought was strength, which was being a tough guy, you know, needing to, to, to squash out that sensitivity and be a true Italian Sicilian, be a, um, you know, whatever that meant, you know, that was all, it's all like, you know, it's all ego, but yeah. I felt like that was my ego trying to protect me. Um, and so then it came to the point where it overcompensated. I was way more than a tough guy. I was a, I was a punk. I was, I was a, I was a criminal. I was an addict, you know? And so I needed to, um, that needed to get completely wiped out. And that did, I mean, prison did that to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, what's interesting though, is that, you know, while you say that prison did that to you, you did have a really amazing encounter before your prison stint for lack of a better word, and uh, an angel encounter. And one of the things that I loved about you sharing that story was that, you know, you were destitute, you were having a difficult time. I'd love to hear it in your own words. But one of the things that you did ask for was you asked for help. And I think that very often in life, we think that we need to do it all on our own, don't we? We think that we're alone. We think that there aren't our our crossover loved ones there that have our back or that we don't have access to ascended masters such as Jesus or, or even celebrity connections that can help make things a little bit easier. So can you share your story of your, your first angel encounter? That was just such a beautiful experience to read. No, thank you. Yeah. And no, I think it is. I think it's, a, it, it's, it was the, it was like uh, the cornerstone of, of my spiritual um, experiences. And it still remains a, a big block of that, of that foundation. Um, thank God, you know, and it still continues to be um, something that I remember today. So I definitely put that in the book as the first um, spiritual, you know, encounter or experience. I was, I was done. I was toast. I was, I was on drugs. I was, you know, that was it. Um, I burned all the bridges. Family didn't want any part of me. Um, staying at home, didn't know where to go girlfriend left me. I was driving around in my beat up old car that my dad, you know, just barely gave me and uh, two in the morning. And I saw this church and I pulled in um, because there was this great desire for the first time in my life to really cry out for help and not know what was going to happen. There was like a, the gift of desperation as they call it in a way, you know, and I pulled into this church and I um, started I found this little like uh, grotto where there were candles and the blessed mother holding the, um, uh, the little baby Jesus. And, and I just, I, I, I lit a candle and I got down on one of the pews. There was only two and I started crying profusely and I was admitting my wrongs to myself. I had admitted them to my parents and, and to some other people, but it, it, this was really, it was about me and like, talking to God and I didn't understand God. I still don't, but I mean, you know, I still, I, I didn't have any understanding and, and it was very childlike. And I said, God, I need help. I don't know what to do. And I was looking for a priest maybe that could be there. And um, out of nowhere, this little old lady with a dog walked in at two in the morning, no car, no car pulled in just, I mean, you know, I figured walk from her house 
and just came into the grotto and she was already saying prayers. And, and I thought for the first time, I'm so selfish. I said, maybe she, her dog is sick. And I started praying for her and her dog. And she, and all I wanted to do was just talk to someone and confess my sins. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's still such a crazy moment. And she kneeled down next to me, put her hand on my shoulder and said, would you like to confess your sins to me? And I don't think I could have cried any harder at that moment. You know, it was like, it was like I'm in a dark room and all of a sudden the door opens, there's light behind it. And there's this person standing there going, give me your hand. And it was like, you were, I was saved in that, just in that moment, you know, and, uh, and I, she heard my, my sins and she did it like a priest. She pulled out this little book and, and, and I gave her everything that I had. And then she said to me, she goes, I want to give you something. God is telling me to give you this. It's a gift that I need to give you. And she takes this scapular off of her neck. And it's this little thing that we get made of cloth um, that Catholics get first Holy Communion. And she gave it to me. She goes, this was my father's on his deathbed. And he wore it every day and I'm giving it to you. And I said, I cannot accept anything like that. And she said, God wants you to have it. You have to take it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I took that. And um, as, as quickly as she was there, um, she got up, she took her dog and uh, her little dog and she walked around the corner and I sat there for just a second, maybe just a couple of moments. And then I couldn't believe what just happened. So I got up to look and there was no one there. Um, I don't know, you know, now I will say this um, later on in, in my journey, when we were getting our ability, um, Nikki was my partner and, you know, she's, you know, we're still together 12 years and it's amazing. And, um, and I asked her about that and she said that this was an angel. Um, this was an actual manifested angel that came in to, um, um, that place. And I said, yeah, but I have the scapular still, and that's a physical object that she took. And she said that was actually sitting in the grotto already that was already there in the grotto and that the angel used that to give, to give that like that physical object was there already. Um, you know, so whatever anyone wants to believe about that, they can de- you know, they can mm-hmm. process that on their own. I still have moments with them. I'm like, did that? I know what really happened, but what yeah. I do know is that, is that what's powerful is that that was a moment for the first time that the ego was deflated enough that I was able, humble enough in that moment, beaten down enough to ask for help from the higher power. And yeah. he was not going to let that moment go by in vain. He was going to use that moment to, to, to teach me that, I, that he was there, he was listening, and he can make things happen. And that was huge. So that's, that was a lesson that, that I need to still continue to learn and others need to learn. that We can ask for help. Self-will is such a B word because it's constantly yeah. trying to get us to run our own lives. No yeah. one is going to help us. You got to do it on your own and I'm here to protect you and save you. So you got to get this person before they get you and you got to think this way before, you know, and it's a it's a real tough lesson to learn but it's we we have to keep learning it you know
Yeah, for sure. One of the things that I'm going to ask you a little bit later in our conversation is about your work, helpers of paranormal entities, uh, you know, what you do to help stuck spirits as well as grieving people look for closure. But I do want to talk to you a little bit more about your workings with Jesus, because I am interested in that. You did mention sort of early on in your book, the experience where you were in jail and there was a malevolent shall we say or shadow sort of spirit there and you called upon Jesus for help was that the first time that you kind of started to you know kind of look that there was maybe a bit of light and shade I mean you'd had that angel encounter then you were now experiencing sort of the other side of the coin can you share that story and some of your impressions with me Josh so up until that time, I really didn't feel anything negative in my life on an, on an entity level or anything paranormal or anything like that. As I said, as I was growing up, I would sit in church sometimes by myself, riding my bike around town, and I would sit in the church when it was empty, and I would just stare at Christ on the cross. And there were times that I felt him there with me. That was just as a little nine-year-old, eight-year-old kid. So that was just, that was, I had some introduction or some experience a little bit with Christ. After that angel experience at the grotto in the church, it wasn't too long after that I had my first paranormal experience where I was, I was, I was playing um, using a Ouija board with a bunch of friends. And some of the, some of the um, experiences that we had that night were very positive, but they were also kind of weird at the end. And they started to get a little negative. I did not experience anything again until being in prison and I was in this, in this cell. It was, it was very um, late at night, three in the morning or so, or something to that. And it was in the middle of summer. There's no air conditioning in, in this prison. So you're, you're, you're in a hot box in a cell. And um, I, I woke up from a dead sleep and I felt this very negative entity or energy within the cell. Um, I felt like it was either a demon or either the devil himself. It was extremely painful. I had this massive migraine headache um, and I wasn't going to be able to get up and go to the medicine cabinet, get Advil, you know, you, you, know, you can't get medicine. There's nothing you can do. And so all I could do was the first thing that, th that I thought was to call out Jesus Christ's name. And I did. And, um, slowly, quickly, but slowly, this relief came over me. And all I could do was just be still in that moment, just lay there still. And, um, I just trusted Christ and slowly the headache started to um, recede. It started to, to go away. And um, I started to feel this, this, like, this tingling. And slowly I, I, I fell asleep again. And, and that was it. And I felt that peace. And again, it was another, another moment of calling out for help in a moment that I needed and getting relief. So that was another instance where I was calling on God, calling on a divine power and receiving relief. So why do you think yeah. people don't ask for help? Do you think it's because, I mean, when you're talking about these things and, and one of the things that I realized that you're up against on probably in a consistent basis, and I would love to know your thoughts on this is like almost the constant need to prove stuff, you know, like in your book, you have these amazing photos of orbs and you've got these photos of children, like ghost children and things like that. And, you know, 
people I would imagine are constantly looking for that validation and that proof. Do you think that stops them from asking for help in the first place? Or do you think that there's a, a worthiness? Maybe they don't feel they are worthy or is it that damn ego that's just getting in the way and saying, you know, you're not deserving of that help or is it a combination of everything or none of the above? I mean, I think all of the things you just mentioned were all very valid. I think they all play in. First of all, we've been told for so long that a lot of these things don't exist. You, you know, you have people that are just skeptic and say that they don't exist. Um, not only do they not exist, but we don't have proof of a God and we don't know. And then religion's all screwed up. So, you know, how could there be a God present in there? So I don't want to hear about God. Don't talk to me about Jesus and all that stuff. Some people yeah. are like that. Um, you got other people that are that love Christ, that love Jesus, but they follow a very rigid religion. And so if you come and talk to them about these kinds of things, this is all heresy. This is all the devil's work. So you got that kind of situation going yeah. on. If anyone is trying to discern what the re, what, what the truth is here between religion, between guys that are doing stuff like myself or, you know, whatever, they we have to tune in to the intuition, but we have worthiness. We have shame that's there and we don't feel like we're worthy of, of, you know, there's no way, even if a God exists, there's no way he could know I exist or he, or he could be active in my life. Right? Like why would a God, I mean, have we seen the scale of the earth to the universe and to the, you know, to the, to the, you know, the galaxy and all that. We're just a little a yeah. pinpoint. Well, how, yeah. how does God know about us? But that's not the way it is. I mean, we are, we are tied in to the source. Um, but that's for everyone's journey to find. And so many of us will just stay dormant, will stay stagnant, will stay within our own lives of a job, a family, you know, getting a car, uh, making sure we have clothes and all these things. And, and we can get just stuck in that monotony of living our lives and, net, and not really think, well, what's out there? Yeah. And can I have some kind of connection with a higher power? A lot of people will say, well, that's above my pay grade. I don't, I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to think about that and all this, but it is, I truly believe um, it really is the, the purpose of this life that um, we are to experience it in the physical way works. You know, we're here to experience love. We are going to experience pain. We're going to learn lessons, soul lessons. We're going to wipe away karma. We might accrue some more karma, depending on how we're living, um, you know, good or bad. All of that is a part of this experience. But the real main point of this whole soul school here is to find a connection to a higher power, one that we can have a relationship with, a conscious contact with a higher power, you know, that's really the key. And, and, and so someone that may live their life with no God consciousness, they might have lived a good life. Then they didn't go around robbing banks or killing people, but they might've just kind of stayed in their life the way that they thought it was and didn't really try to connect with a higher power. They're going to get to the other side, I feel, and go, oh, I missed a big part of, of what this was supposed to be. Yeah. And so you can still work on that connection on the other side, but you might have to come back here to keep working on that until you really understand that, you know, God's given us free will. He's not going to make you come back to him. What kind of a loving God would that be? If he said, I love you and I'm just not going to let you have any freedom. You have to come back and live with me. We have to go out and experience this and we are a part of him, but we don't have to choose him if we don't want. 
you know, so that's something that we have to come to terms with, whether that takes multiple lifetimes or one lifetime, you know, Mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah, we have free will, that is for sure. So after you left prison, I know you had a lot of business success, which I thought was really cool. I love talking about business, but that's not today's show. We're going to be (laughs) going through that very quickly. So after Mm -hmm. you were having this business success, it um, did that sort of start to propel your spiritual journey a little bit more? Like now you kind of were able to, maybe you were in the right place at the right time that you were kind of thinking to yourself, okay, I'd like to explore this side of myself a little bit more or was the introduction of a significant spiritual teacher what really started it off for you and and kind of led you down the the hope path that's another good question you're asking really good questions lauren i you know the um so when i got out you know of prison i had a spiritual spirituality about me then but i also had a real hunger for wanting to achieve success and in, in kind of what I was trying to do prior to, to prison before I got addicted. I mean, I started businesses then and I was doing well, but it was addiction that kind of took me back out and, and, and destroyed everything. So this was a chance for me to create something that would, you know, give me financial stability or whatever. And I got involved in a very controversial, I mean, I got, in, I got involved in some, you know, very good businesses. But I also got involved in one that was very controversial. Um, it wasn't breaking the law in any in any way, but it was definitely um, bordering morality of, is this what I really want to do? Now, I was making a lot of money, and I talk about all of this in the book. And um, so I won't go down all of it, but I will say that I had made millions of dollars just years out of prison. I mean, going from nothing to having millions of dollars in the bank. And, and, and having real security in my life. But with that, I started to lose myself again. And it was a gradual loss day by day until you look behind you and you've lost the path and you can't find the path that you were on. And you're going, what the heck? I was, you know, I was embedded into this spirituality, but somehow, you know, um, I, lost, I lost my way. And so I got out of everything. I sold everything that as far as my businesses went on that, on that end. And, and I had enough money in the bank, just bought a house and, and, and I kind of retired. I said, I'm going to retire kind of semi-retirement here. And I'm going to go into what I really care about, what I want to do. And I wanted to still help other alcoholics and other recovering addicts. Um, I was doing a lot of step work with them and helping them but I wanted to tap in more to the spirituality. And that's when my partner, Nikki and I started going to different cemeteries and different places, just kind of trying to record and see what we could get. I didn't want to believe the shows or the movies or anything else. I wanted to capture something that I can understand. And that's when we started really understanding. I was hearing help me. Um, I was hearing my name and other people's names. So I was getting real evidence. I asked for help. Again, this is like the whole theme of my book is really about asking for help because then again, I'm in front of something amazing, but I don't know what to do with it. And I said, Jesus, if you want me to do anything with this or you want me to go after this, please show me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't long after until a medium came into my life and um, I brought that medium to different places that I had already been, didn't tell her about what I had captured there. And I said, go ahead, Connie, see what you can capture, see what you can get. 
And what she was channeling was matching up to what some of the recordings that I already had captured there. So now I'm like experimenting and I'm getting results that are, you know, they're quantifiable in a sense. They're real. I can actually, you know, um, see what's going on. And um, so that was, that's what happened. And, and, you know, I still continue to make movies and do other things. I was involved in filmmaking. Um, I still own my hookah bar. Um, you know, I had some other things I was doing, but I never stopped doing this. And, you know, what was a passion and a hobby has now become a purpose and a way of life at this point. Mm -hmm. So for our listener at home, and even for me, I'm not super familiar with what you mean when you're talking about recording. So can you kind of take me back to the basics of that? So, you know, you, I guess you might've been watching shows, becoming a little bit aware that people were using recording equipment, like re video recorders or audio recorders and going into areas where maybe there might be spirits there and recording them. So is that kind of, did you watch that and then go, I want to try that myself and then just go buy random equipment or how did that sort of yeah. come about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was really, I mean, Ghost Adventures is a show with that guy, Zach Bagans. He's been on for years and years, you know, and he's a very dramatic kind of guy and, you know, kind of dark with the way he acts and stuff. And he is one of the first to do paranormal investigation in a sense and, and going out there and going to, you know, abandoned locations and haunted locations and trying to, rec you know, re um, record. That's all I did. I kind of got like the, the Ghost Hunter starter kit. And just kind of, you know, got a little voice recorder, a little radio that skips stations, um, you know, a little camera and just started with those basic things um, that anyone can do. And just with those basic things that were very cheap, I was able to get very good evidence. Anyone could do that if they really wanted to 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 find out um, what I have found, though, now and doing this as long as I have almost 10 years now is that. You got the paranormal hunters that go to those locations and and they might employ a psychic once in a while to help them, but they're more into like the dark stuff and hunting and kind of, you know, capturing. It's not so much really more about communicating with them. It's like capturing evidence of them, mm. trying to figure out what's going on, but that's kind of where it stops. Then you've got the psychics and you've got the intuitives, you know, and and they've got, they're all about light and love and they're more about a light filled kind of place. And so, you know, they don't use equipment. They don't use boxes and spirit boxes and recorders and things. They're, you know, they channel and they do the intuitive work and they have clients and things like that. So you've got these two separate groups out there kind of, you know, and this one's kind of afraid of this one. And this one's kind of making fun of this one sometimes, you know, this one's kind of, you know, so it's like, there's a little bit of that. And then you got this religious group that loves, like I said before, loves Jesus, loves God, but thinks this one's crazy and this one's crazy. So you've got these separate groups. And then here I am. And I'm like, I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you together. I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you together. And we're going to merge all of this together because it's ridiculous to think that everything is so separate. God is everything or he's nothing. And that's why I am an intuitive psychic. I've done over 2,000 paid readings, hundreds of sessions for people. I've worked with institutes. Um, I've done a number of different things on an intuitive level. Now, I'm spiritual in the sense that I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the gurus, the saints. 
um, Buddha, Krishna, Allah. I believe in all of the different avatars and 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 of course the source um, of you know of energy. So I can tap into different religions and look at you know the good part of it. And then, like I said, I can go into an abandoned building and I can take my gear and I can go do an investigation. But I can communicate. I can cross over. I can pray for. I can envision light. And that's part of what I'm doing as far as trying to, when I say I'm helping spirit, trying to cross over, I'm, I'm, you know, you hear help me and some of these people are like, oh, I hear help me. All right, guys, let's pack it up and let's go now. You know, that's not what I can do. I hear help me. The, the human, the spirit inside of me wants to help that energy, whether it's a person in a body or not. So that's what I'm trying to do. One of the things that I love that you talked about in your book is that you you made reference to the fact that these are just humans like us, but they've just shapeshifted. You didn't say shapeshifted, but essentially, because I transitioned. Think that, yeah, I think for me, you know, I've always been really nervous about connecting sometimes with spirit. That was a real block that I had to work through, especially over the last year. And I think it was just around fear. And then when I kind of realized, wait a minute, they're just, you know, spirits that have transitioned, they're there's nothing to be scared about. It made me feel like I was a little bit more empowered to have these conversations such as with you and, and to, you know, go down that journey. So when you're recording these sort of things, Josh, do you, so do you go somewhere, you record it, do you listen to it in real time or do you have to go home and speed it up or how does it sort of work? This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. When I go out and do these recordings and I pick up this kind of evidence, capture this evidence, do I hear it in real time a lot or do I have to go back and listen? Yeah. 10 years ago, when I first started um, doing this, you can hear a little bit in real time, very little. So a lot of it had to go back, you know, you had to go back and you had to listen and, and go over it again. Um, there's been major advancement since then to now. Mm. Um, so now the responses have gotten clearer. They've gotten better, easier to hear. But I go, I have periods where I can hear almost everything. And then it's like, I hear nothing. And when I'm hearing nothing, that does not mean I'm capturing nothing. And that's very important to understand. Mm -hmm. um, I have to go back and I have to review and I have to go back multiple times very meticulously to listen to these responses. And sometimes it takes me having to slow it down and, and kind of, you know, re-listen. Um, there were times when having a, when doing a session, I think I hear something in real time and I respond. And then I have this dialogue almost that goes on. And then I'll go back and listen later. And I'm like, oh, they didn't say that. They said something else, but I thought that's what they said. And then I started thinking that throughout the whole conversation. And that kind of caused the conversation to go in two separate directions. Right. So now I'm trying, now I'm careful that like, I might repeat what I think I hear, but I say, hey, I might be wrong. And I try not to, unless I know for sure, I try not to really base the conversation off that response because it could mm -hmm. be wrong. So I try to just, I go, hey, say what you want. I'm going to listen later. I'll try to hear you now. But if I don't hear you, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean it's not working. So that's a, that's a key part of doing this. 
Mm -hmm. So is that why you developed the hope spirit box? So other people could do a similar thing. And can anybody sort of use that for, I guess, what you've been using it for? Go out there, listen to spirit. I mean, I guess you would have both people, you would maybe have somebody who's got the, the ability to be able to help the spirits move on, which I want to talk to you about that a little bit more in a second. But then I would imagine some people are also just going there and going, oh, cool, we got it. And then going to the next location. <laughs> And that's what a lot of people do do as far as capturing responses, hearing something, but then it's like, there's still this disconnect that they're humans. It's more like they're treating them like they're ghosts or entities or some kind of like, yeah. we're at the haunted mansion at Disney world. It's kind of like, you know, this, like these aren't real people. And it's like, hello, are you there? Like, it's kind of a very like, you know, that's not the way you would speak to someone if you were on the phone with them that needed help or whatever, like, you right. know, and I understand it, that takes, a, you know, time to kind of do this, but um, it's just, it's just really hard and you have to be careful. Um, I know that when I go and I listen, the Hope Spirit Box app was really created, like you, you know, like you said, was created because I wanted everyone to have an opportunity to kind of use what I'm using. I'm using a very... Um, expensive box that was created by Steve Huff, but, you know, and he's another, you know, guy that's doing this. Um, he's been doing this, you know, a couple of years longer than I have. And so, you know, we used to work together and he used to provide some boxes for me, but I started to work on some of my own stuff and I started creating an app that was inspired by his box that, but that went further and had other features to it. And, and it was free and that you can use it on your phone. And so it, it, it's a box that it's an app that, you know, will stay quiet when you're talking to the spirit, but when you're ready to ask a question, you're, you're, you know, you're using raw wordless gibberish sound. See the reason that spirit boxes work, whether it's one of those old little radios that people have and they scan, you know, it's a scanning radio device. There's different devices out there, but a spirit box is really in essence, this box that makes sound. And um, a spirit can take that sound and uh, that errant sound and form their own, um, you know, their own response. And so, you know, when you have this radio that's scanning stations, it's scanning radio stations at a very fast rate. So you're getting little bits and pieces of the broadcast that are kind of, you're going, dip, 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 dip. you know, you're hearing that sound. People that, that, that don't know how this works, even paranormal guys that kind of don't understand. They think, um, and it's, I, you know, I understand, they think that I think a spirit is taking words from a broadcast, listening and plucking words from a broadcast and using that as their response. When I do not believe that, um, and a few others that have been doing this research very seriously have come to the you know, conclusion that spirit is taking the little bits and pieces of the broadcast or of the sound and forming their own words with it. Now, Steve Huff went one step further with this when he was creating his elaborate box and he added some echo. And, and by adding echo to the sound, it kind of drags it out, elongates it, makes it a little bit more wavy. And with that, you really get a lot of direct response from spirit. And I went one step further even with that by taking um, human speech, but then reversing it and chopping it into very small pieces 
and slowing it down and mix matching all the pieces. So now we've got this reversed garbled gibberish that there's not one word in. And I've turned it into um, a voice track where it can play and we keep it quiet. It kind of plays in the background. And I ask a question and I will allow some of that gibberish sound to come leak through the box. And it's in these few moments when I'm doing that, that a spirit can take that two, three seconds worth of gibberish sound, wordless sound, and form their own words. And now we have almost a false, a false positive proof device. So we're not going to get just random words and think it's a spirit and it's not. Where they're either going to use it or they're not. If they don't use it, then we don't hear anything. It's just blah, 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 you know, gibberish. But when they use it, you get a yes, I'm here. Hello, I love you. I miss you. You know, God's light, the light, you know, they can give you two, three, four words of a response. And it's in direct response to what you just asked. So that's what's going on. That's why I created the Hope Spirit Box app. And it's only getting better. Um, I, I, I have an update that's about to be made on it um, with some new features on it. I made it for free so that people can use it um, on their own. A lot of people will say, oh, I'm only hearing gibberish. Hey, it takes focus, takes a spiritual connection. You got to pay attention to who you're trying to you know, connect with. Um, it also takes a real ability to go back and listen and try to understand what's being said. It took time for me to understand these responses. Mm. You know, a forensic audio expert, you know, uh, you know, FBI records mobsters in a warehouse talking about a, a hit, you know, a hit they made or something and they record it. And then they have to bring that recording to a forensic audio expert to clean up the audio and then to give his recommendation as his, his expertise um, uh, of what he believes these people are saying. Mm -hmm. And then he gives that. And then in court, you know, they'll play that recording and they'll call in that expert to come sit on the stand and say, we're going to play the recording for the jury. And then I, we want you to tell us why you think that these people are saying this. And he goes, well, I've been doing this 10 years. I've yeah. listened to thousands of recordings and this is what I do. So that's, that's what I equate this to because some people go, I can't hear it or I don't understand it the way you do. And I go, it takes a little time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I think even in interviewing experts like yourself, you know, I think sometimes the listener at home and me included, we're like, I want to be there already. We forget that there's been all of this work and all this practice that people have put into it, you know, like, yeah, definitely some people are gifted right away. They may, might not have to work for it, but other people, they need to learn, especially when you're dealing with something that's completely foreign. So I guess what oh, I'm wondering is, you know, does it work because it's energy? And so because we're energy and spirits energy, it's able to manipulate the energy. Is it because of something else? I guess I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it, even though I, I, I do too crazy. still. I yeah. mean, I do too. I was, <laughs> I was just, um, I was just communicating with Bob Saget. I mean, I just, I just was, mm -hmm. I did, I reached out to him last night and again today, and I was getting stuff in real time and, you know, I was getting intuitive things. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's really wild. Um, does it work because it's energy? Yeah. I mean, we are energy. We are light. Um, you will see like in the book and in my videos, you will see these beautiful balls of light that will just move in and they'll 
enter me or they'll leave me or enter the box. Um, they will take on shapes of, you know, forms of their faces. So we're seeing visual evidence as well, in addition to, you know, audible evidence, right? Um, but, and, and we're seeing it as light. We're seeing apparitions and light. Um, so we are energy. But this stuff that I'm using is really, it's, it's just like, you know, it's like a bad connection on a telephone. These are telephones. Um, these are soul phones to the other side. Um, I can communicate with someone that's not necessarily here in my space with me. They could be somewhere else and still I can communicate with them on an intuitive level and through the box. And then when they come here, when they actually come through the portal and, and come to me, um, the evidence is even better. The responses are even better. The connection is even better. Now I've shown this in a, in a, in a graphic, in a visual, in a video, but let's just say some people will say, well, how do you know you're speaking to Bob Saget or yeah, Betty White? Any of these people, that's a good question. First of all, there is no way for me to prove that I'm speaking to these people. Yeah. If I called you on the phone, Lauren, I've never spoke to you before ever. Yeah. And you gave me a phone number or someone gave me a phone number. And I called it and I, and you, some woman answers the phone and I say, Hey, is this Lauren? Yeah, it's Lauren. I don't know that. I have no idea if that's really you. I've never spoken to you before. How do I know? Yeah. It's the same thing as a telephone or same thing in a sense of a phone. Um, I'm giving them an opportunity. I'm intuitively connecting, but it could be a spirit that's lying to me. I trust in my higher power. I trust in the help of the guides, but when I, I, I believe now that I've been doing this long enough, I've had enough success doing it, that, that the other side knows what's in my heart, that when Josh comes calling, um, I think I do get a little bit more of a look than maybe some other people sometimes as far as I think that I'm not a celebrity on the other side in any way. I'm not saying that, but I think that they do know that there's a guy named Josh that's doing this kind of thing somehow. Mm. I, I just, I don't, you know, I think that's what's happening. Um, so I think let's just say I'm a celebrity or I'm someone that I'm, okay, let's just say that. And I'm trying to reach this person, me. I start to focus, I call out that name and there might be this little hole that opens up in the air next to me. It's almost like a little portal that opens up. And I kind of go, is someone trying to reach me? And I might hear a voice through there. And that could be the spirit communicator with the box. And it's like, I'm hearing this voice and I'm going, yeah, I don't feel like talking today. I'm not, I'm not in the mood to talk. I might speak into that hole, right? Okay. The spirit might speak into that hole. The box will pick it up. Now, if I'm that celebrity, I go, okay, he wants to talk to me. All right. I may go through that portal now to where he is and I can now speak with him um, in, you know, with the box there and everything else that's going to better the connection. So that's two ways in a sense of how this works. It's kind of like I can reach out to someone, a little portal will open up and they can hear me. We might have a little bit of communication, but that portal can close very quickly. So would you be channeling and like leaving your body? No, it's kind of like, it's just, it's like a phone line. It's kind of like just a, there's a, I'm here in spirit as well, as well as a physical form. Yeah. And I can leave and I can go and explore if I want, which I've done and talked about in my book, but yeah. just by me 
opening the line of communication doesn't mean my spirit's leaving. It just means that there's this, you know, can with a string that's opening up on the wherever they are. And there's a can that appears with a string in a sense. Okay. So it's kind of like that crappy connection, but it's there and they can speak to me. If they really want to now talk to me, they can go through the can, through the string to my can and come over here. Does that make sense? And, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, like as a human, it's still hard for me to wrap. Well, I'm a spirit, obviously. But think about it as a phone though. I call you on the phone and I say, Hey, Lauren, you want to come over and hang out with me and do a session with me? And you go, you know what? I do. So now you're going to hang up the phone. You're going to get in your car and you're going to drive over here. But instead you're going to, when you're in spirit, just going to fly through a tunnel as a (laughs) ball of light. And that's what you see in my group sessions. When you, when you see me doing a group session, you see these orbs coming in out of nowhere and I'll ask for someone, a ball will come out of nowhere, enter me or enter my box. I will then ask for that person to use the box. They will, I will capture responses. And then I'll say after about five minutes, okay, thank you. You know, someone, thank you for coming through. I'm going to ask for someone else now. Then you will see a ball of light leave me. Wow. And go somewhere else and a new ball of light come into me. Wow. That's amazing. So you're seeing physical or visual evidence of them coming and going. So I do want to talk to you in just a minute, a little bit about protection and whether or not you do need to be aware of protecting your energy, especially if you have orbs of light coming into you and leaving you. Uh, but I do want to say for our listener at home to give you a bit of context at the time of recording, Bob Saget did die yesterday. And so I guess my question to you is Josh, you know, what kind of information would you be getting from him? Like, did you intentionally realize, okay, he's passed away. I want to talk to him and find out his story or how he's doing, or, you know, can he communicate all of that information even back to you? And just to echo what you said earlier, I guess, you know, you kind of use the word celebrity for lack of a better word, but it's because you've been doing this for so long, isn't it? That, you know, maybe the spirit world feels like you have integrity and that you're not going to be diluting the message in in any way. So. Right. I think that, that it is known because of how much I go, what lengths I go to, to make sure that these responses are, are vetted properly, that that I go through them and I really, really review them. You know, I don't want to ever misrepresent someone. I don't want to ever put words in someone's mouth. Like that's really like terrible. So it's either clear or I don't want to play it. Um, and that's what I try to do. I think they do know that. What would someone that just died yesterday be able to tell us today? They're going to tell us what their experience is so far. They're going to share how they're feeling. They're going to share if they have any, any fears or any, any feelings of, 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 you know, of being okay. They know I'm going to pray for them too. So it's not just a sound bite that I'm trying to capture. Like I'm going to really also try and turn off the cameras and then I'm going to pray for them, whether it was a, a Betty White or whether it was someone that died because of an overdose or something, who knows, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of tragic situations of people. I had a wonderful connection with Gabby Petito and I, I, I did not anticipate that on happening. Um, and there were multiple sessions that we did. We can definitely reach someone very quickly. People say, oh, no, no, no. They have time to, time to settle and all this. I, I'm not saying that everyone that has a, a, a counter belief is wrong, but I'm just telling you what I am finding with my research. This is real research I'm doing. So it's not like I'm just giving you my guess and saying it's right. 
I'm showing you that these answers, when I do these sessions with a well-known person, with a loved one of someone, they match up. They're specific information. They're correct information. Um, it, 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 you know, the person that listens to it goes, wow, I intuitively feel that was them. So now the person that's viewing it is also tapping into their own intu uh, intuitive feeling and going, wow, that really felt like them or that didn't feel like them, you know, so they can give that. And I don't say that, you know, I want people to, to give me their, the other uh, input of what they're hearing, what they're feeling, you know, when they're watching these sessions. Um, but, you know, as far, I don't know what your question was. I think it was just, what can they tell us if someone just passed? Um, and really I'm looking for experience. I'm looking for um, an understanding of what they're, you know, dealing with. Um, if there's a message they want to share to their fans, um, you know, I am trying to reach them sometimes before a million other people are trying to reach them because, you know, that can happen and that's up to them. No one is being pulled to, you know, forced to have to speak on the box. They can come and go, you know, they can speak to anyone they want or don't. Um, so if I ask for someone and they don't want to talk to me, they don't have to. Yeah. And I'm not disturbing them. It's just a quick phone call in a sense, and they can yeah. hit ignore. They don't have to, they don't have to come down and, you know, so, um, but you know, I just, I want to give everyone as many people as I can. I mean, Bob Saget's someone that I watched growing up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I watched him on Full House and America's Funniest Videos. I watched Betty White every night on Golden Girls. So I have a little bit of a personal connection in a sense of what they meant to me, yeah. but then I'm going to show them respect. I'm going to show them love. And I want to give them a clear voice, you know? Mm -hmm. So someone like Bob Saget, did he share a message with you that you'd be willing to share right now? Or is that something that you also keep private? No, I'm, I'm still reviewing it, but there was funny. There was a funny moment. He said he was okay. He goes, I'm okay. I, or, okay. Let me just say this again. I don't know hundred percent sure if who I captured was Bob Saget, right? Okay. Yeah. I have to say that. Yeah, but yeah. what I believe it was, I feel intuitively it was, and the responses I got were very, um, you know, they were kind of indicative of maybe what he might say or whatever. I'm still reviewing it, and I, I'll I'll put that on my on my channel soon. But one thing I told him about was that I said, you know, when I asked for Robin Williams, I got that they said Robin wants you to go watch him. And I didn't know what that meant. And then I went and tuned into that. And I saw him in this little nightclub doing stand-up. Mm. And I got that intuitively. So then I, in the session, I said to Robin, I said, Robin, is that what I'm seeing that you are in like a nightclub? Are you still doing stand-up on your own or still, you know, are you creating that experience with your own reality? And he said, exactly. So he, he really confirmed what I got. So when I told that to Bob, I said, you know, Bob, uh, you were just doing stand up the night before you had a show in my town in a few weeks. I mean, you know, that would have been cool to go see him, you know? Um, I said, but Robin said that he could still, that you guys can still do stand up and create your own experiences. And very clearly he goes, well, that is good to know. And he said that very clearly, like, you know, that's good to know. And, uh, and he said some other stuff, but I'm, I'm not going to quote him yet until I go back over it again. But, you know, there was acknowledgement, there was just acknowledgement and, uh, so it was, it was really positive. I want, you know, I want to say this too. I have just as many, if not more amazing sessions with regular people that are not celebrities or not well-known people. It's mind blowing sessions. But the problem 
is that people don't gravitate to those sessions as much because yeah. they're not well-known people. So I ask for well-known people, one, because I care about these people. I had a connection with them or someone requested me that I do them because I know that they will get seen by more people. More people will get introduced to this kind of work. People will go, oh, you're doing it for views. Yes and no, I am doing it for views. I want more people to see this work, but yeah. it's not for views for the typical YouTube viewer for ad revenue. That's, it's because I want people to see it. I'm going to release some other videos here in the next couple of days that are of regular people that, you know, clients that called and wanted to speak to their loved ones. And they're mind blowing. It's mind blowing proof of Jesus, proof of the other side. One guy says, you'll never want to leave. And amazing messages. Now, if I place those videos in between celebrity sessions, yeah. those videos will get more views and more people will get to see them. So there is a strategic yeah. Umness to this, but know that everything I do is 100% real. It's done with love and respect, and I ultimately just want to help people. So that's that's it. Yeah, I love that, and I know that you know, being someone on the spiritual path for most of my life, that it's given me a sense of comfort and a sense of purpose. And you know, I think that a lot of us who are on the spiritual path we see people who are maybe lost and I guess in a way it's like a, you know, when people are like, are in a religion, they're like, join my religion. It's the one, you know, as a right. spiritual person, I think sometimes, you know, we do want to let people know that they don't need to be afraid of dying or that their loved ones aren't gone and, and things like that. So I can understand what you're saying. Do you find it sometimes difficult to have to consistently prove what you're doing yeah. or to have to justify yeah. your, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is because I'm a very sane person. I'm not like, I'm not like out there and like, I don't believe in conspiracy theories a lot of times. Like I'm really trying to find the truth and stuff. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not yeah. out there just on a whim. And so like, you know, I get called fake all the time. And then because someone just their reality will not let them believe this, what I'm doing has to be fake. And because of that, I'm a piece yeah. of crap or I'm evil or something, you know? And I'm like, dude, no, no, I stand behind it. I would do anything I could to show people that, you know, I'll do it anywhere, anytime, any with, with anyone. I don't care. I have nothing to hide. It's all about, you know, complete transparency. Yeah. And so there are new people finding me. I have a lot of followers that don't need to be, I don't need to prove to them anymore. They know enough about me and have watched me long enough to know that everything I put out is exactly the way it is and what it is. Yeah. But there's new people finding me. So I do still have to do things at times to make sure people understand because this is just crazy. This is just <laughs> really hard to believe stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, and I don't blame them. I don't blame people. I don't yeah. like being attacked. I don't I don't mind if people don't believe me or say that I just don't believe this. I think maybe you could be faking this or something but I get a lot of attack and kind of hate stuff. And that, that could be difficult. I get a lot of love too. So, I mean, I'm very grateful for that, but you know, I get a lot of, you know, and I'm like, no, I don't want to be looked at as crazy. I, I want to show people the, the real deal. And I don't want anyone to feel like they have to find religion to be saved. That is not the way that I, I, I you know, that's not the message of Christ. It's not the message no. of any other, you know, uh, uh, avatar, you know, um, you know, any, any other, um, ascended master, that's not the way it is. They want you to just find your own path, use a guru maybe, or, uh, you know, find a, a spiritual guide, 
but that's 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 really what it's about and i think that that's what i can do i think my you know my guru my real guru who everyone should read this book i don't care who you I've are heard, what i haven't read it i've in. heard so many things can you read the title for the listener at home yeah it's the autobiography of a yogi um, yeah. George Harrison made sure to give everyone that he could a copy of this book. Steve Jobs, before dying, he made sure to order 500 copies of this book to make sure that everyone in attendance at his funeral had this book. And he would reread this book every year because to him it was the most important book. I would concur with Steve Jobs. He became my guru. He's come through in my sessions and has spoken in his own voice. Um, he is, um, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda, and he is an amazing man. He believed in Jesus Christ and loved Christ. He believed in Krishna, but he was talking about the science of communicating with God. And he studied all religions, but did not follow just one. He, he took from what each one was the right stuff, and he was able to really bring truth to people. So I, I really, I have to bring this guy up in any, any talk that I can because of how important he is, as well as the real Jesus Christ, not the one that someone shoves down your throat and says, you have to find him and he's got to do this. And he's got, no, find, yes. find the real Christ, find the real guru, find the real source, find the real you. Beautiful. That's it. Well, we are out of time. I did want to quickly though, ask you about whether or not people need to protect themselves if they are going to be getting into this kind of work using the hope box or just connecting with spirit. Do you have a tip or a trick for someone at home if they're interested in getting started? Yep, I do. Um, I well, I do offer in my patron group and I do offer in my book, I talk about grounding and I saw you talking about grounding before grounding, doing yeah. a grounding exercise every day is, is very important. It takes five, 10 minutes, not even you can do it going outside, standing in the grass, touching a tree, or you can envision doing a number of different exercises within the self. That's a really big um, thing as far as you know, protecting ourselves, washing ourselves in light and being protected, flushing out anything negative. But I do not recommend anyone to do this kind of work or any other kind of work where you're tapping into energies unless, and this is just me, unless you do have some kind of idea of a higher power, unless you have some kind of connection with a higher power. If you're kind of loosey-goosey and trying to figure out what's going on, I would stay away from the boxes and the mediums and the psychics at first, I would try to just get into something basic of understanding of affecting some kind of, you know, connection with your higher power first um, and then going into this. And that would be yeah. fine. I don't, I don't recommend people doing this without some kind of idea of a higher power. Agreed. Wonderful. Well, is there anything I didn't ask you, Josh, and how can people get a hold of nope. you? And I was also hoping you would read the beautiful message on your shirt for our listener at home because oh, it's such a lovely yeah. way of ending the conversation. Another patron, another patron uh, came up with this saying, and it was, uh, where there is light, there is hope. Where there is light, there is hope. We are, everything is light, everything is love. God is light and love. And so, you know, that's, that's the message. And it's hopeparanormal.com. Hope, hopeparanormal.com. You can get my app for free. You can get my book, which is not free, but you can order it. It's on Amazon and, and, and a number of other places. 
Um, I have events. I just held my first live event in August in St. Augustine. I'll be doing uh, Savannah, New Orleans, Key West, a number of other uh, cities. I'm going to be branching out. So all through hopeparanormal.com. And uh, you can book sessions. You know, you can join my group sessions where it's very affordable for 10, 20 bucks a month. You can put a loved one's name in and ask for a loved one each month um, or book a private session. So, you know, I'm there, I'm available. And, you know, um, I try to answer everybody back. It just may take me some time, but I try to get to everybody. So. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for all your Thanks wisdom for having today. Me. It was a really great conversation. No, it's, it's just a pleasure and you got a great program and I appreciate you having me on and I'll share it once it's available. And I look forward to talking to you again, maybe in the future. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.